0: Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends.
1: Hey super friends, my name is Neil. My name is Martin. And we are the hosts of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We are here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, comic book, and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. You can pick up our podcast on all major platforms or head to our website www.getyourcomicon.co.uk for more.
0: show where people share their passions. Everyone is geek about something. I'm your super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Today's guest is an acclaimed writer who gives us some great insight into their new book, The Next Time I Die, a mind-bending genre-crossing thriller. They of course give us some insight into their process and their history, including their time writing for Marvel and DC. But let's hear from them.
1: Hey, I'm Jason Starr. I am a crime writer, a comic book writer, and now a science fiction writer because my new book has a uh, science fiction book to it.
0: Absolutely. It's an amazing book. I don't think I've eaten a book so quickly in quite a long time. (laughs) Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, that's that's always the goal uh, to have Books be a page turner, and um, I'm always thinking in terms of cliffhangers at the end of chapters, and just want people to turn the page because that's the best
0: compliment you could get. So yeah, usually you do um, you do more crime stuff. What what made you sort of take a bit of a, a change in direction for this one?
1: Yeah, my my first crime novel was actually um, published in the UK by uh, No Exit Press, uh, sort of a an unusual route for a for an American uh, writer to get published in the UK first, but they were my first publisher, um, and they've published just about all of my uh, crime novels. They're still in print with uh, No Exit. Um, Orion did a couple of the books, but then subsequently, No Exit even did those. So I was—I've been with them for a long time. Um, yeah, no, I started writing uh, crime fiction basically because it was this what I was reading. Uh, I think there's a shift when a, a writer. Um, writes what they like to read. I think initially, when a, when most writers are starting out, um, trying to uh, write, perhaps like in a different voice that comes natural to you. So it it takes a while to like find out what your voice is, what you really want to write about. Um, so part of it was because I just enjoyed reading crime fiction so much. And I love old film noirs uh, from the 40s and 50s. That was definitely a big influence. Um, and then I started reading the books that were based on those uh, movies like uh, James M. Kane and Jim Thompson. Um, well, like Dave, David Goodis, for example, uh, Raymond Chandler, uh, Patricia Highsmith, and then moved on to Elmore Leonard, uh, who's still a, a favorite of mine, um, George V. Higgins. Um, like the, the, the crime writers who are writing like dialogue driven books, but, I, but I've always read other genres also including uh, sci fi. Um, Philip K. Dick is one of my favorite uh, writers as well so it's always been in the back of my mind that I'd want to uh, attempt a, a sci fi book at some point I just wanted I
0: to find like the right way into it. So where did the idea for this in particular, is this something that is sort of in the back of your mind?
1: Um, yeah, I think it was in the back of my mind and also just a sort of what if sort of story. I think most ideas come from writers asking themselves, what if, what if this happens? What if, uh, starting from a situation, at least for me, it, it's usually not coming from the character. It's usually from a situation by asking myself, what if? Uh, so in this case, there's like a very big what if because there's a whole shift in, uh, reality and yeah, I mentioned Philip K. Dick, but I love uh, alternate reality uh, stories um, in in novels, but also in movies. Everything from uh, It's a Wonderful Life to Sliding Doors to uh, well, any anything with that sort of theme. There was a movie Frequency I remember I really liked in the 90s. So I. that sort of of entertainment has always appealed to me. I knew if I wrote that sort of story, though, it would have to have my own twist on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is sort of, depending how you read this book, The Next Time I Die, it's either uh, a crime novel or a sci-fi novel. Um, It really could be both in my mind. And I wanted to write a book that had like a a sci-fi hook to Mm -hmm. it, but was ultimately also a psychological thriller and uh, Mm -hmm. a crime novel. I think anything I've ever written could be defined as psychological thriller at its core. So even if I'm writing like in this book that has sci-fi in it, um, one of my earlier noir crime novels that No Exit was doing, like Cold Caller, uh, uh, Fake ID, uh, those books are straight ahead sort of Jim Thompson, James M. Cain sort of prime novels, but in my mind, they're also psychological thrillers because it's also about the tension of what's going on inside the character's mind. At the same time as there's thrilling events going on in the story, there's also, I guess, like a dichotomy of like what's going on in the character's mind and what's going on in the action of the story, especially when I'm writing in first person, like I am in this book.
0: Yeah, because it was quite refreshing when I first when you first sort of start reading the book, you're immediately drawn into it by the fact that it's first person. And then you're thrown into a mystery which kind of hangs over the whole book. And then it's not obvious all the way through because there's so many different layers that keep being built up and it's all through first person and you're all looking through this person's eyes. And it's really it really draws you in because you're in that mystery with them.
1: Yeah, that was definitely the vibe I was going for, um, to experience this world and these change in realities, um, from the point of view of the character. Like, I don't see, uh, this book possibly being told, like, in third person. It has to be, like, a first-person novel. I mean, that's where the suspense is coming from. Uh, the, uh, you're, you're experiencing the events as the character, Stephen Blitz, uh, the narrator, uh, Experiences them, but st- what I was talking about with that tension and the psychology and the action—you don't know if uh, Stephen is a reliable narrator. Uh, he, so that's sort of like the game you could play when you tell like a, a first-person novel. The reader only has the narrator's uh, ver- version of events and the narrator's experience, and there's like an underlying tension where the reader has to figure out. Do it, should I trust this narrator just because this narrator is telling me this is happening and that's happening? The readers like behind it all, uh, sort of like in a subtext of the whole book, asking themselves like whether they should um trust this character and have their own uh version of it. So some of some readers, you know, might not trust him from the get-go. They might trust him because he could be. I'm not gonna give anything away. He might actually be uh <laughs> reliable in the end. But uh yeah, I I, I rely on the reader to do that so to me that's why the book's ultimately like a a psychological thriller and that that, this is sort of my where my twist on this on the sci-fi crime novel comes along also because um he's telling you a a version of events that might not might not necessarily be true but his version of himself might not be true and that's where the psychological part comes into it um there's, there's a change in reality in the books but there's a big there's a bigger question uh maybe we'll get into it later but of, of nature versus nurture in the book about whether if you could go if you have a choice of door one or door two uh and you make decisions that alter the course of your life yeah you might wind up with a different job a different relationship but um is it going to affect the core of who you are that's that's basically the um question i'm, I'm discussing it sounds like so serious discussing <laughs> you know, it's just like a you know a beach read
0: but um but but uh yeah that's the serious question that I'm addressing it is because it's funny I was reading through it and as I say I basically swallowed it whole it does have different layers to it if you if you want to see it it's there for you to look at like just the simple thing of it refers to different perceptions like your perception of something will be completely different to my perception of something right and as you say i don't want to give anything away on the book but sort of his perception is also different to his own perception which will make sense to people who have read it but it's just because of his slightly different view on it it changes things entirely
1: yeah there's that theory i mean i have like uh again it's it's gonna sound incredibly pretentious but there's a uh a kierkegaard quote at the beginning of the book um but but about like living um in uh you know like like there, there's concurrent versions perhaps of your life existing simultaneously hmm. like right now like maybe in different uh dimensions um so that's sort of what i'm uh getting into but again it's like in a crime fiction sort of way not like in a um I don't think I take a deep dive into like very hard sci-fi. Like I'm, I'm dealing with those issues and questions and there's certainly like a sci-fi way of viewing all of this, but, uh, but I think ultimately it's still like a crime novel because you're just, it's about like crimes that have taken place. Who did it? Like, you know, those sort of questions.
0: Yeah. The sci-fi basis is almost a way to make you look at it slightly differently rather than, that's what the story is hinged on yes yeah. it's, it's there to sort of make you think more right yeah because even um again i was trying not to give things away but there's a couple of characters and towards the end you're kind of the main characters looking at the differences between him and someone else but then he starts to question himself actually am i that different like the events right. unfolded
1: yeah so um Yeah, it is one of those books, like, we don't want to give too much away when you're talking about the actual uh, plot, but he, the main character is a defense attorney, and he's uh, representing um, this, it's a very high-profile case uh, that he's working on, and it's about to start when the events happen, and he knows, like, in one reality, this guy, in the reality starts in our reality, Um, he knows what this guy has done, he's um, seen the autopsy photos, he knows this case inside out he knows everything about the victims but in the new reality um that doesn't seem to have happened and there seemed to be a different set of victims so he has to unravel that sort of uh mystery and then yeah then he ultimately begins to compare himself to that to his client um and those are my favorite scenes to write actually like the uh that that character the uh the killer he's representing yeah
0: it's, it really comes across because it's so you can tell the emotion, the the psychology of both of them, kind of working against each other in that way.
1: Yeah, I love. This goes back to just why I love like alternate reality, like you know the sliding doors sort of stories, um, where you see um, another uh, version of the same person in another reality, and then um, yeah, I mean there are differences. In, the, in this in this book, there are some things that are better about this new world in the events that have taken place, but also in the character, but there are also some things that are worse. So like, I wanna deal with like that gray area also. So it's not like, uh, this is like a wish fulfillment sort of, if only, you know, this happened, the world would be great and he would be great and everything would be perfect. Uh, just like
0: in our world, there are good things and bad things. No, I, I'm very excited about this book, but I'm trying not to give anything away. It's very hard. <laughs> Um, so was there any sort of idea in your mind because as you say you've done comic books you've done other sorts of things this um i noticed it's been optioned as a, a film now which is amazing was there ever a point that you were looking at maybe doing this in a, a different format or was it always a book in your mind
1: um this one was uh always a book because um i saw this as like a first person story where i wanted would want to get into his like i was saying like his psychology um i mean i think there's a way to do it i mean because it could certainly work i think as a graphic novel um i to me like it would be just to go on a theme here it would be completely different reality if it was like a graphic novel because once you just make one decision about how the book's going to start for example um which scene you're going to start with it starts like a domino effect that takes it uh in another uh direction in my experience i've occasionally I've been hired to um, adapt my own books as screenplays. Um, I've never actually tried to turn a book into a uh, graphic novel, but whenever I've tried to write something that was in one medium and it becomes something else, um, in my experience, like it just takes on a life of, of its own, and I rarely even look at the source material anymore like i know the basic story but every scene starts changing and it's and it's uh and it's different so i think this book would have been very different if i did it as a graphic novel i probably would have thought about like what the big visual set pieces are in the book because that's what you have to do in a graphic novel it's sort of stringing together those big sequences um the action would probably be much more at the forefront as opposed to the uh psychology it would just be you know when 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 something's a graphic novel you you um it has to be about the images obviously so you wouldn't want it to be too wordy um in this book a lot of it is like what's going on in his head and that that sort of tension so i think some of that would be lost and, it, and then in doing that it would become a different story so yeah no i so i never thought about this being a uh graphic novel, and in, in my experience writing graphic novels and comics, I've written for Marvel, for DC, uh, my and some original graphic novels for Vertigo and um, Boom, and my latest two are at uh, AWA, uh, Casual Fling and uh, Red Border. Um, in just about every case in the original stuff I've written that wasn't uh, licensed characters, I've had, it's, it's involved like a long uh, pitching process where it might take pitching multiple ideas before an editor uh, is interested in something I'm doing. And then there's a lot of back and forth with the editor, maybe multiple editors, and it sort of takes on a life of its own. Like it wouldn't have been something I thought of as a novel because it just evolved like completely differently. When I'm writing a a novel, I'm extremely secretive. I don't discuss it with anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a book now, and like literally nobody knows what it's about except me, I, like I haven't told anybody. I have this idea, whether it's real or not, that if you talk about something too much, it lets the energy out, and then it never gets done. Maybe that's why sometimes we'll meet people at parties. We'll just go on and on about the book they're going to write, and uh, that never gets done. Uh, I think they're just letting the energy out. So I always tell, like, no, just keep it to yourself. Like, if you have a great idea or you think you have a great idea, just keep it to yourself so it could sort of um, hatch, mm. you know, in the you know, in the egg rather than uh, just letting all that energy out. Plus somebody at that cocktail party is probably going to steal your idea. So, Well, yeah, yeah
0: there is that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Though. There's quite a few times, like, I've had a project in my mind And I spend so much time telling people about it and kind of trying to get feedback and assurance, then it never actually happens because I'm spending all that time talking about it. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could just, yeah. I mean, if,
1: if that, look, sometimes I think there's a reason, um, for like, I'm not, if someone's in a, uh, writing workshop, for example, and you want to, um, bounce your idea off people because it's going to energize you and uh motivate you to finish it so let me so look every writer that's what i'm saying like this is just like my personal way of doing things and every writer has their own way um so some people like uh thrive on getting that sort of uh feedback early on and it helps them uh motivates them to finish a chapter of the book, because you're going to share it with people. So there's no real one way of doing it. But yeah, no, in general, I do think it's a good idea. Like once you have like an idea of where it's going, you know, if if you're not sure about where it's where it's going, I do think it's a good idea to bounce it off people. Because like, sometimes talking about it out loud, you catch like a, a plot point that might not work or something like somebody says to you, like, oh, that wouldn't make sense. And then just hearing yourself say it out loud like got you through that plot point. So that would be like an instance where it is a good idea to talk about it. But I would try to get in the habit of like doing as much as you can, like, uh, on your own, like answering those questions on your own, it's just like, a better chance of finishing it.
0: Hmm. That's good advice.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, as you mentioned, um, there is sort of nature versus nurture thing um, that you explore in the book. And particularly with the main character who is ostensibly the same person but as we sort of find out as it unravels and he's finding out more about himself it turns out that actually he he's a completely different person and as the book evolves a bit more you find out that he's exploring himself and actually maybe they're not as different mentally or psychologically it's the way that they've acted
1: yeah no and this is what he tells us because he's the narrator he's saying like i'm no you know i know who i am um I know who I really am, so I wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z in this new reality, that, that, that's just not who I am. Um, so he kind of is like the judge and jury of himself and declares himself uh, innocent. Um, I guess the question I, I I try to raise in the book though is, um, again, because he might not be telling us the truth, he might not be reliable. and. Do those events really change that, or, or is the um, nature of who a person is um, who they ac- actually are? Um, for example, his client, who he knows is a, uh, a psychopath because he um, represented him, he, you know, he's the um, lawyer um, for his trial. So he knows his case inside out, um, he knows his history psychology, like he's seen all of that. He's talked, he's interviewed his psychologist and therapist, because he's prepared for this. He knows who this person is. And he knows that any events, um, if that person had chosen door A, door B, and did the sliding doors, got onto the train, um, it would, uh, he knows as, as the attorney that like, and what he knows about uh, psychopaths is that like that's just how you are. If you're a psychopath, you're born that way. Um, and uh, it would be very difficult or impossible for like events to actually um, change the core of who you are. So that's one of the questions he
0: asks. And this book does have so many layers. I think that people can get so. Many different things out of it if they want to, as you say, it's science fiction, it's crime, it's also psychological. Yeah, there's there's so many bits to it. I mean, this, are these all parts of things that you've been interested in in the past? As you say, you, you know, you've brought bits of them into your your crime novels in the past. Has this been a running theme for you?
1: Um, well, I haven't really done much um, sci-fi. Like, it, well, I haven't done any in my original um, novels. They've been definitely straight ahead. Uh, crime novels psychological thrillers. Um, I did a couple of uh, urban fantasy novels that penguin did um, in the US and uk uh, the pack and and the craving um, so that was like a another genre switch but i the only sci-fi I've really written um is in my comics like in my Wolverine uh, comics um the Gotham or the Gotham novels that tie into the uh, TV show Gotham. Especially the second one had a, uh, a sci-fi. It takes place between season two and season three of the show when the monsters are uh, released in uh, Gotham. So there's definitely like a sci-fi theme in that in that book. The that tie-in. My Ant-Man novel had like sci-fi in it, obviously, because it's Ant-Man with the Ant-Man <laughs> suit. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I had not done any um, uh, like a straight sci-fi novel on my own. So that's something I definitely wanted to do, um, have some other ideas maybe uh, going forward. So it's not, might not be the end of me writing uh, sci-fi, but um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely something I
0: wanted to explore in one of my own uh, novels. So yeah, if we can sort of have a bit more of a dive into you as a person, then for people that are, you know, interested in the the people behind the book as it were behind the pen how would you describe yourself outside of being a, a writer that's it i'm just a writer uh
1: what else? um well i grew up uh and i still like like love sports go running love movies theater i see a lot of plays around the new york area concerts um yeah definitely into fitness and yoga yeah, i'm the i'm the crime writer who practices yoga <laughs> like little uh, dichotomy um but fairly normal i mean i traveled a lot when i was i mean, I still travel when i can when when there's no uh outbreaks around the world but um when i was younger i uh lived in mexico for a while um traveled around europe many times uh studied abroad in the uk in england um in london so yeah so i, I but probably not as much traveling lately, but except in my mind. So maybe that's why I wrote the uh, uh, sci-fi novel during uh, COVID, sort of an escape from reality. Mm. like an Ability to travel <laughs> when you can't travel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think there's a, there is a perception of people that um, writers are, I, they're a particular type of person, and it's nice to sort of, as you say, you're just kind of a normal guy who, who happens to write all these things as well. So it's just nice to hear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've always, um, yeah, I think there are some writers who um, talk about like how they, um, again, we were talking about like trying, you know, finishing a book and uh, strategies for doing that. I, I also teach in an MFA program. Um, in uh, writing at uh, St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. It's actually a low residency MFA program. So it's only, uh, we have two residencies a year. So if anybody's interested in uh, uh, studying with me or Marlon James is there and uh, other great uh, uh, writers. Um, Also, I, I just started a Comics and graphic novel track, so you could actually get an, a master's degree in, in writing comics. So uh, check it out online, St. Francis, St. Francis College uh, MFA. Yeah, I think you have to integrate writing um, into your uh, into your life, and it has to become sort of a uh, a habit is the best way to do it. I don't think it should be something. If you really want a career as a writer, I mean, some again, this is just. I should, I should preface that because i think this is just like my my belief there's some writers who uh who i know personally actually who in order to finish a book need to do, need to go away to like a writer's retreat or cut off from reality and uh and write the book and i need total silence and they can't socialize they tell people like i'm not available for the next two months because i'm working on my book and they have to like shut out the entire world so yeah, like I've never been that way. I've uh I, I believe that like it's just has to be part of um a routine for me. Uh so I think of it like going to the gym, like you uh you write for a certain amount of day, uh of time time per day and uh, have a page count ideally. Like even, you know, I wouldn't even make it like I try for a thousand words on most when I'm like deep into a book, but um if you're really busy like whatever it is just pick a number 100 100 words a day 200 just do it like every day um just like you're going to the gym and it's and it's sort of like working out like you don't see any progress at first like you still uh still have your belly uh <laughs> when you know for, when you're going to you know when you first join the the gym but um if you stick to it and you do it you stick to your routine you eventually start to see like some progress and um a book form so i don't think it has to be this dramatic lifestyle change like you have to be like be a writer to write like i think you just have to um make it part of your life
0: yeah it's, it's funny like, i i hear people say you know if you want to be a writer you need to write something every day doesn't matter what it is just something you have to write something
1: i think that would be the best way to do it uh well look there are some writers who write in bursts uh i believe lee child for example. Um, writes uh his books like for a few months a year. Uh like okay. he's working on the book and then he's uh doing promotion, he's traveling, uh doing other things, and then like he'll write his book again for three months. So everyone has their whatever works for them. I think the simplest way though just to get into the habit of writing initially is to yeah, is to make it a habit and just yeah, like you were saying, just do a little bit every day.
0: I think there'll be a lot of people that'll be interested to hear that because it's yeah there are certain perceptions and I know people find it hard to get that out of their mind to so, I want to be a writer but you need to be doing all of this so I think people will be interested to hear that Would you class yourself sort of a geek about books
1: Yeah I mean you could see I have my uh geeky comics I have my uh Batman posters behind me there Yeah <laughs> Um I guess so I guess yeah I mean I guess the stuff I'm interested in would would qualify as geeky
0: What what would you early experiences do you think be of sort of either geek culture or geeking out about something not necessarily sort of comic books or so something that really you engaged that part of your brain um
1: yeah I mean I think it's generally for me I guess it's the um sort of pop culture you're interested in uh and how obsessively you're, you're interested in it yes yeah, so I think if you're into comics you're not necessarily geeky but if you're uh if you start like going to every Comic-Con and you're just obsessed with comic, I think it has to do with like how obsessed you are with something that's sort of offbeat. And yeah, it's like that intensity. I mean, you could be geeky because you're into like uh, Marvel movies, but it's not as geeky. Like, I think the more obscure something is, the more geeky it is. Like if you're like into uh, reading hard sci-fi novels, um, that's geekier than than if you were just into like seeing Marvel movies which is like easier so I think like the more effort you put into it uh and then it starts affecting your style and you might start wearing like geeky uh t-shirts uh yeah you let your hair your hair beard your the the glasses yeah <laughs> it just starts like seeping out of you once you uh you absorb the uh the content and then it starts coming out did you remember sort of the first time that something switched in you like that well i was very into sports when i was younger so you know i was just playing uh baseball tennis yeah i would say like when i got very into um just like reading a lot yeah was, like reading all the time I, I i got i i didn't read a lot growing up but when i started writing in my early 20s i read an incredible um amount um I was writing plays at the time, so I read a ton of plays, and I read classic novels, and yeah, so I think that was when I started, uh, again, I think it's, there's that, if you're just talking about, like, what geekiness is, I think there's, like, that obsessive quality that, like, tips Mm. it over. I don't think you could be truly geeky if you're not uh, obsessed. Mm.
0: That's interesting, because you, you said that you weren't that interested in reading beforehand, but then you started writing and it sort of engaged that part of your brain. What made you start writing then if you hadn't been much of a reader beforehand?
1: I guess it was just um, a, a shift, like when, when I was in college of uh, of being able to explore books uh, on on my own and get into them. When I, when I was younger, it just seemed like books were work that uh, teachers were signing in school and you had to read a chapter by Monday and, you know, a game would be on and I'd be watching the game. I was like, oh, I have to read now. Uh, so it just seemed like something that wasn't um, defined to me as being uh, pleasurable. Mm. Uh, so I had more freedom, like in college to explore things. Also, I just think um, I've always seen like writing as like part expression, partly a career to make money, but also like there's a therapeutic sort of um, uh, aspect to it. So I think when I started writing, I realized like uh, any anxiety or uh, other emotions I was feeling like could go right into uh, the book. It was probably like a healthier way of like expressing uh, that anxiety rather than like, you know, to harbor it yourself, like to just go and, you know, write write books. I mean, I I think I'd always been thinking back, like I think I was um, creative, like, you know, in what I was thinking about, uh, I did read a lot of comics growing up. I was actually m- more interested in art than in uh, writing growing up. I was, I drew like just as a, as a hobby. I, I was really good at copying. Like I would, I could copy like a page from a comic book, and uh, I could still do that like really well. Like I could copy it well. Um, so there's probably some hidden art talent in there somewhere, but. Uh, but 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 writing became
0: like the like an outlet I guess so sliding doors is there a different version of you somewhere out there who's an artist
1: um I think
0: like on Wall street
1: like making a lot of like uh money like I'm a trader i thought I thought that's what I was gonna do when i went in went to college I thought I was gonna like work uh, completely opposite like work on wall street and yeah so some of my early jobs were like sales jobs um uh I still like. I mean if I was doing something else like being an agent like a a Hollywood agent sounds fun to me to like make you know to be making the deals and yeah that seems like something that I would uh like I wouldn't wouldn't find that like uh painful like I like like most work (laughs) seems very painful to me but uh that seems like it would be enjoyable
0: yeah I guess that it sort of tickles the creative part because you can you still have that interaction you can you're creating things and you've got a kind of an input on the way that things come out. You're not just sitting at a desk. Yeah, and I, and I like making the deals and, and stuff like that. So never never going to be an artist then. Just enjoyed the copying things, but it never really tickled that part of your brain.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I could get back into it. I don't know. The artists like I've worked with are so good that like, there's probably no point in even attempting to uh... <laughs> Match their abilities.
0: Yeah, you see what they can do, and then you get worried that you can't match that.
1: Yeah, I think to write comics though, you have to. um, Even writers like have to think visually because you are. Yeah, I mean, some people who've never, uh, who don't read a lot of comics or who just um, aren't that experienced in how they, you know, how they're created, like assume that like the art might even come first before they're, uh, the writing. But it's, it's almost always the uh, writing comes first, that there's a script created, just like a like a screenplay. So the artists, the writers are really, um, you know, you have to think visually in the sense of like what the page looks like, the space that you have to work with, things that you're not thinking about when you're writing a, a novel where you have seemingly en- endless space. So it does help if you if you think sort of artistically as a um, as a writer, it certainly helps for graphic novels where you really have to think about what the images are, like telling the artist like what's going to happen visually in the scene, and then letting the artist do it because they're uh, they always take it to like another level, but like hmm. it still has to start with the writer. So,
0: how did it come to be then that you, you got involved with with graphic novels? Was it something that you sought out or was it something that was approached to you?
1: Well, I wrote an uh introduction. I think that was the first thing, to, to Brian Azzarillo's uh, Vertigo book, uh, 100 Bullets, to one of the collected editions. Uh, one of the editors had read some of my crime novels, so he asked me to write an introduction to that. And then I wrote one for Jason Aaron's book, Scalped. Um, so by doing that, like I got into conversations with the editors about uh, doing my own graphic novel. So I wrote a graphic novel called The Chill, I don't even remember how I got, but I but involved. But I I wound up doing some uh, uh, some DC comics, including uh, Doc Savage uh, series uh, that Brian Azzarello was involved with at DC, and then uh, then I moved. Uh, I, an editor at Marvel uh, contacted me, and I wound up working on Wolverine, and then it sort of just took on a life of its own as sort of like a uh, I still, I still see myself primarily as a fiction writer, hmm.
0: uh,
1: but I'm definitely have had like a, a, a parallel life as, you know, writing uh, comics. And I like, and I like the going back and forth because comics is so collaborative. You're working not only with the artists, but the editors. Um, and it's a nice compliment to like how solitary it is writing, especially when you're like me and you're just keeping the idea in your head and you're not discussing it. So that so then so then it uh, creates more of a need to like have some sort of balance to that.
0: Did it sort of change the way that you you viewed your writing at all? Having to do this collaboration um, with everyone along the way, did it make you look at your your other writing in a different way?
1: I would say, just off the top of my head, I would say that the biggest effect it's had on uh, novel writing, for example, is like like I was saying like in writing a comic, it takes much more um, pitching and, and discussing stuff in advance. Uh, like I said, like I like to usually keep it to myself, but with a, a a comic, you need to discuss the idea and you need to get an editor on board. And then there's a lot of back and forth on the outline. So it has, I think I've become a more detailed outliner in my books, because I have to prepare such a, such elaborate outlines for a graphic novel, mm-hmm. um, also for pitching screenplay ideas, etc. It it also requires a lot of plotting. So I think it's helped my outlining of uh, novels. Hopefully, when you read the next the next time I die, which is on sale, <laughs> on sale now um, in the U.S. and U.K. and Australia and Canada, it. I mean, I think the plotting has become like my strong suit. Like when I when I started writing initially in college and I was writing plays, it was I was just writing a lot of very dialogue driven stories. Um and then in my crime fiction plotting. Definitely took on. it's another reason why I started writing crime fiction, because plotting is so important in crime fiction. And mm-hmm. that's something I really latched onto. But I think working in comics has even improved my plotting uh more. So um hopefully you'll see that the next time you die, the hope, you know, it reads fast and I want it to be a page turner, but plot is was complicated to pull off, even though it seems hopefully it just seems smooth. But uh there's a lot of st- different uh, storylines, everything had to come together. And that sort of planning and plotting, I think, comes from writing comics. Mm.
0: Yeah, there, there are multiple things that sort of weave in and out through the story. And they're always in the back of your mind. And you never, you've managed to make it in such a way that you never lose track of what's going on. But you also don't forget it, which I think is sometimes The the trouble that people can get into is they leave something at the beginning, pick it up at the end, and all the readers are going, wait, what was that again? But you've managed to weave so many things in and out so carefully that you never lose track of anything. It all makes sense.
1: Yeah, hopefully it comes together like that. Yeah, I mean, I love stories like that where where an ending might um, seem completely surprising but completely inevitable at the same time. Those are my favorite uh, types of stories. So I'm definitely going for that sort of vibe when you get to the story. And hopefully it's the sort of story when you get to the end, you want to look back and see and read that first chapter then with a different perspective.
0: No, I think you've done an amazing job. It's um, Especially when you go into sci-fi, you're at risk of kind of going too deep into it and it all just getting a bit weird. Think is the best way of saying it, and a lot of people fall into that trap. But you've done it in such a way that it's there and it's really interesting, but it doesn't melt your brain as you're going through it. Yeah, no, I agree with
1: you. It's a um there is a line like that you want to come close to, but not like go over. uh So I was definitely aware of that when I was writing the book. Like I, I mean, this is why like why I still see it like. Or you can see this as a crime novel also Mm -hmm. because like i'm it's still like from the point of view of uh this first person narrator who is um really solving a mystery and working on a you know uh caught up in a crime novel that happens to be taking place in another uh reality so i think he himself is not as obsessed with the, uh, or it's focused. I mean, he, on the, on this reality that he's in as much as he is, is like finding out secrets about himself. So I think that's what, that, that's what keeps it sort of grounded and keep, because it's, it it maintains it's, that it's an internal story.
0: So I'm wondering, as someone who's so involved in books in different forms, in graphic novels, what would you say if people aren't sure about giving new types of books or graphic novels a try? What would you say to them has been the power of them for you in your life what have they done for you in your life well you don't
1: know what you're missing if you're not uh reading them um i i think like a a, i mean the main reason for me like to, to read is just like you're creating like a world in your head i mean it's certainly easier to uh watch netflix um and i certainly like love binge watching shows myself and uh uh movies are are great but you're you're seeing like a a a perspective that the director and the other creators are like preparing for you like you see from one point of view um in a book you really have you you're creating a movie in your head you're casting it yourself um you're creating the you know the, the the writer is giving you a a basic guideline but it really opens up like um the imagination and there's no better feeling like to get lost in a book it's like a real high it's like a rush like when you really get lost in a book and uh you lose track of of time and uh so if you haven't done it like it's hard to uh explain but i think this is why some people like who um you know love reading just can't stop because it's just like a i don't want to say a drug because that like has like a negative (laughs) impact but a healthy drug it's a healthy drug um and it's like an you know i think like an a necessary escape uh when especially when you know there's uh darkness and uncertainty in the world um i mean i just wrote an essay about this but i don't think that means that like you can't read dark stuff and still be entertained because sometimes you have to process the darkness in the world by reading dark fiction. Dark, reading uh, dark fiction could be an escape. Uh, also, it doesn't, like, to me, like escaping reality doesn't mean like, you know, just, just, you know, romance novels and, um, you know, love stories, you know, it could mean uh, a Stephen King novel, it could mean, you know, something that's dark and edgy. And I think most people feel that way. That's why those, that sort of entertainment is so popular.
0: You can find Jason on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Books, that's star with two Rs. You can find more information on his work at his website, jasonstar.com. Jason's latest book, The Next Time I Die can be found in all good bookstores. And once you've been hooked, why not look for all his previous work as well? from crime novels to Gotham companion stories and various comics and graphic novels along the way. As always, a selection of links are available in the show notes. Thank you for listening. You can contact the show at Era of Geek on social media or head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek. If you like the show, please do leave a review and tell your friends. You can also leave a review on podchaser.com.